Welcome to The Well Drop, Own Your Wellness. I'm your host, Amber Berger. And I'm Dina Wismer. We are mothers, friends, wellness experts, and self-described warriors who have each experienced our own unique personal wellness journeys. We are your wellness friends here to give you drops of wisdom we've discovered over the years that actually work. Wellness, what is it really? The struggle is real and we're here to help sift through the noise. On this episode today, we are very excited to have Michelle Aspinwall with us. Michelle is a medical intuitive and shows you how to connect back to your body's unique language. She integrates science and ancient practices into your modern lifestyle that leave you connected to your body like never before. Michelle transforms how you manage your hormones and your body. Michelle, thank you for being with us on The Well Drop today. Thank you guys. This is such a pleasure and such a treat. So we always talk about leaning into community and really I connected with you thanks to Dina. So I really want to hear how you and Dina connected first because we always love to share our favorite people with each other and with our community. So Michelle, I don't know if you remember, but I met you through the fabulous Meg who's Margaret Indiana, who's a masseuse in New York City, who we were both seeing. And when I was seeing her, she would talk to me about the fabulous work that you were doing. And I had at the time recently entered my 40s and I thought, wow, I'm feeling good, but it really, I should learn how to start getting a handle on my hormones and understanding the changes that will happen in my body in the next decade or so. And was so interested in learning more about your work. And I'm so happy that she spoke to me because it, I learned so much by working with you, so much so that I, I couldn't help but share the information with Amber, who's now worked with you as well. And now we're so excited to share some of your wisdom and your knowledge with our listeners today as well. So thank you for being somebody that brings this information to the forefront for women. I think particularly your journey and your story is inspiring. If you don't mind, love to hear a little bit about how that started, how you got into this work, because... I know it's inspired me and I, I know it'll inspire our listeners as well. Oh, thank you, Dina. What a Amber and Dina, like what an amazing introduction. Like who can, I mean, that's just so beautiful. Thank you. So I've worked with both of you. You're both such powerhouse women and you're both gentle and also very dynamic. And that I think is the pinnacle, I would say, as to what our forties are, is to bring us back to, for some women, we're way more connected to the delicate and the gentle, dare I say, the maternal. And then for other women, they're very connected and they, they identify with the power and with the drive and potentially even the hustle. And maybe the connection to the softness or the divine feminine is a little bit less intense or the divine masculine is a little more intense. And I would say, being as I am now 51, um, halfway to 52, that for me, my 40s were all about understanding where I wasn't in the divine feminine and where I wasn't in the divine masculine. And we can call that perimenopause. We can call that estrogen decline, which I think is like the worst thing to call it. Or we can actually just sort of recognize that we're spiritual beings living a physical existence. And that I think part of what's happening in us as we go through these hormonal changes, and they, it is a physiological change, but anybody who thinks it's just a physiological change in my experience is really shortchanging themselves what this decade is all about. And that is, you know, saying goodbye to something, the 
ability to grow and sustain life, to have, to bear children. We're letting go of something there, but we're gaining, and lots of women say this, so this is by no means original, but we're gaining a wisdom. We're gaining an inner connection to ourselves that will take us through, you know, phase act two and act three, if you will. So that's what I think of when I think of my forties and it doesn't stop there. Like it just gets richer and richer. But if you're, but if I would encourage any woman out there who's maybe 42, 43, 44, 45, if you haven't really embodied this philosophy of like, this is a, your life is one big spiritual healing journey. And the physical aspect where I think souls line up at the door to get a body, right? And so we can feel a lot of things in our body that don't feel comfortable because our bodies are these gorgeous vessels that we inhabit. It has the capacity to hold so many emotions and so much, you know, trauma is like a big buzzword, but it really is. It's like physical trauma. We have the ability to hold it in the body in a way that if we held all of that in our brain, in our mind, in our consciousness, we really wouldn't be able to move forward on a day-to-day basis. Like crossing the street would be like capital T trauma, right? So, I mean, that's what I think of as our 40s. That's sort of a long-winded answer for you. But that's kind of what I think of as this hormonal journey is I don't really see it as a decline of hormones and you know the death of the mother like the death of the maiden to the mother and all of this this language it's just not how i see it i'm not saying there's anything wrong with it but i don't see it as a as a death per se i see it as a transition because with death you kind of have to mourn it and i don't mourn any aspect of who i who i was or who even who i was last week like the things i say i listen to myself in my facebook group like and i hear i say things last week and i'm like wow have i evolved in a week and that's not because some part of me has died it's because of of who we're becoming all the time that we're these energetic beings and we have all these parts that we need to integrate into us well i have to say that noticing how you evolved as a practitioner from when I worked with you to when Amber worked with you and hearing about our experiences, it sounds to me that you evolved quite a lot. And as you mentioned, continue to evolve. Can you talk to us a little bit about how the work that you've done has evolved specifically? Sure, definitely. And I think actually that was your original question. So why don't I answer that (laughs) original question there? But so I had this incredible experience of like, um, I was diagnosed with a autoimmune disorder at like 30, you know, allopathic medical model, it didn't work for me. I just got sicker and sicker. So my levels were normal, but my, the way I felt was off. And I felt like that pretty much for about four years and then trying to get pregnant, finally got pregnant, you know, was in labor with my first son. I have two, two teenage boys now, but I had my, in labor with my first son and I had a moment And I didn't talk about this until really about three years ago. I started talking about this moment in birth where I'm trying to birth my first son and basically I'm bleeding out and his heart rate is going down. And so I, on the table, I offered my life for his Mm. and basically my angels, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it said no. And they held me very tightly into this realm. I was, I could feel myself moving out. And they held me very tightly and said, that's not how this is good. I mean, they didn't say anything, but it was very clear to me that that offering was not going to be accepted. And so from that moment, if there was a death, it was right there. So at that moment, a part of me that was 
that didn't know very much and that didn't understand how the universe worked and didn't really have a huge connection to my physical body, even though I went through, you know, nine and a half months of pregnancy, which is like, you know, a beautiful stage in and of itself. In that moment, I realized that I'm a spiritual being and that there's something so much bigger than me in and around me, activating all parts of me and involved in my life. And from that moment, I understood I couldn't get off this train if I tried. Like the <laughs> spiritual aspect of me, I didn't know it at that time. It would take me 10 years to understand. What I now understand was this ability to read energy, this ability to understand that women's bodies are, this is sounds, believe me, it sounds as bizarre coming out every time I say it as it does, you know, what it must sound to your listeners, but women's organs and bodies speak to me. And sometimes it's really loud and sometimes we have to navigate it together because it's a, whenever you work with energy, it's a co-creative process, at least for me, that's what my experience is. It's a co-creative process. So for some women, I'm going to say, you know, seed cycling is really important. Let's start with these herbs. Let's do this thing. For others, we have to kind of peel back the conditioning of generations, even of what your grandmother and your mother and what you have believed and then for for other women, we can move energy really quickly and something really changes fast, but it's different. So I think of women's health as insanely individual. No two women are the same, even two women who have lost a child at a, around the same amount of weeks, like they've had a, a miscarriage. It's vastly different for both of them, even though the act of it is the same. And so I think of our bodies that way. I mean, we are that unique. What I do with one woman is very different than what I do with another woman. And so it's because of that, I've really changed the way I do business. And I offer a very specific way of working where I combine the sign. I mean, I'm very scientific. Like before I came out of the spiritual closet, like I was an integrative biohacker and I was in that world and I studied the body and I know how it works. But then for some women, what is supposed to work doesn't work. And I'm like a walking, breathing proof of that. And so that's where the spirit came in. And I started to understand that like this equation of like you add science with spirit and then you create a healing, you create a journey of healing, like a spirit, like I say, it's like a spiritual healing journey. That's what it is for me. And that's how my work has evolved is like it started out being very much about autoimmune and women's health, like specifically women's health with hormones and how women deal with chronic conditions or hormonal disharmony. And it's turned into like mass healing, like deep, you know, just letting go of a lot of different things in the body. Yeah. I love how you approach, I would say the midlife, you know, perimenopause and menopause, and you really have such a beautiful viewpoint of it, which really helped me to look at it. We connected, I think, last year when I turned 41. I really think, you know, as women, especially in our 40s, I always say to some friends who are still in their 30s, I said, the 40s are great because it's kind of a fuck it moment. You just say fuck it to everything. So whatever you want, you own it. And so I love that like empowering nature that you have of it. But then there is this other side of it, of your body at a certain point. I don't know, everyone might have a different number of when it happens to them, but you know, your body gets a little bit softer, you're not really recovering the same, you might be putting on a little weight, and there becomes maybe this sort of self hatred and ultimate controlling aspect that this mental challenge that goes on in the mind and really starts to drive women crazy of like, what is going on? What used to work isn't working. And then because your hormones are probably like cycling up and down, you turn your anxiety starts to really like, 
rise up. And I felt when we connected, actually, it was because I was starting to feel anxiety for the first time. And I said, what is that? And what was so interesting, I think I want to share with the followers is why, what is it about age 42 that that's such a pivotal moment in a woman's life? What is it about 42? Because, oh, sorry, last year I was 42. I said 41. I'm just going to say, I, I wanted to correct you, but I held myself back. I was giving you that I, year. I maybe feel 41. I'm 43, yeah. but we connected at 42. And you were like, oh, you must be 42. And I was like, how did you know? You're like, well, I'll tell you why. So can you yeah. tell us why 42 is a pivotal moment in a woman's life? So basically what happens at 42 is it's actually not about 42. It's about the chakra system. So I work within, so the way that I work with the spirit of the body is I honor the plexes of nerves and the endocrine system and also the energy centers of the body. So we've, most women, I think at this point are probably from the gram heard of the, the seven major chakras that line the spine. And the way that I, the way that it's come through me is that each chakra develops around every seven years, it comes into its full realization. And then we move up into the body. So we begin at conception at the root chakra and each chakra has like a gift and a wound. And so by the time you hit 49, you've gone through all the major chakras and they're sort of all aligned and they've all had the ability to um, blossom, if you will, or come into their full expression. And so around 42 is when we move from the third eye chakra into the crown. And that's when we recognize, or I think it's the time where we're meant to recognize, not that everyone necessarily does, but it's the time that is given to us through both our, the, the glands in the brain, like the hypothalamus, pituitary, pineal, those glands and the, the aspect and the changes of the brain. And so around 42 is when we transition from the third eye into the crown and the crown, the gift of the crown is, is the recognition that we are, we are part of something vast and that we are all one and that we're not actually unique beings, just kind of walking around in our human experience, but that you know, to some extent, and this goes, I feel, I don't know that my words will do it justice, but the way that I feel it in my body and the way that I, I feel it when I work with other women is that, you know, transcending all religious beliefs and spiritual beliefs that we're all part of a universal energy. I mean, for me, it's God, but for others, it may, you know, it's something else. And that we're just aspects of that reflecting back in and of itself. So we're all whole, we're all one, whether we feel that way or not. And that that kind of transition is what makes 42, in my mind, the moment where a woman is like changed forever. Like there is no before 42 after 42. Does that make sense? Like a yep, lot of women hold, try to hold on to it. Right. So a lot of women try to hold on to it through the outline of their body or the number on the scale or the way that their face is presented to the world or the color of their hair or the style that they take on. But that's all just conditioning and sort of outward. It, it actually isn't anything internal, obviously. And so what happens, why is it important for women in their 40s to really tune in and listen to their body? Because you speak a lot about your body whispers messages to you. And we've even interviewed other doctors who talk about your body gives you signs, listen to them. So what is it about in your 40s is sort of a really big transitional shift in time that maybe if you've never been connected to your body, what is maybe a first step that someone can 
do to try to connect to themselves to start listening to these messages? So that's a great, so that's two questions or like two things. So I'll speak to the first one first and then you help me remember like mm -hmm. what's the one thing people can do. So the first thing I would say the, the reason why our 40s are so integral to this transition is because up until around 40, 42, and it's different. Some women, it might happen at like 38, 39. Other women don't really feel the shift that I'm talking about. It's a very physical shift. It's also an energetic shift, but a lot of women don't feel it. And what they're feeling is something very physiological. It is actually the shift in hormones. So the nervous system and the endocrine system work very closely together. So I'm going to talk a little science and then we'll go into a little bit of spirit. I love the so, science. <laughs> yeah, right. The science is, we can hold on to the science. We understand the science. We get the science. We don't necessarily understand the spirit of it unless you're kind of like, I find it as like, it's kind of like a scale or, you know, like a fish, the way the fish swims in the water. It's, it's, it's a constant harmony together. And sometimes we're very deep in the science and sometimes we're actually very deep in the, in the spirit, but they're all, it's like yin and yang, right? There's a dot of one and the other, and they can't exist without the other. The way it comes through me is that the hormones begin to change because the quiet, I call it a quieting of the ovaries. Like the ovaries have worked really hard for, you know, roughly 30, and it just depends on the woman, 30 years. And a woman's had however many periods she's had, and the body's worked really hard. The ovaries have worked really hard. And so to be driven by the endocrine system, and, and we really are quite driven by, by our endocrine system, our brain changes shape, and our memory changes, and our physicality changes, our musculature, the density of our bones, all of these things are physiological, and they very much change. With the, with the change of estrogen and progesterone and, and all the sex hormones. But Can we talk about some of those changes? Because, I mean, my brain sure. sometimes is out of control. So what are, maybe just because for people to maybe start connecting the dots, what are some of those changes? Like what would be a symptom that somebody, like for me, maybe it's brain fog, anxiety, what, what starts to happen? So it's different for every woman. The most common symptoms that we see for a woman who's early 40s is first off, it's usually their period. Like a lot of women aren't going to notice anxious, a little bit of anxiousness or a little bit of brain fog because a lot of women have children. We've also come to the time where we're maybe starting to worry about our parents. So from both ends of the generation, we're, we're kind of pulled on any mm -hmm. given day. And then of course, if you have a partner or you're married, like you're trying to navigate the beautiful waters of a marriage that's, you know, 10, 15, 20 years in the making. And that in and of itself is a great feat. You know, I've been married for you know, <laughs> 22 years and it's work. It's beautiful work. It's sacred work, but it's definitely work. And so we're pulled in all different places. So sometimes the brain fog isn't necessarily the first thing people notice, but usually women will be very cognizant when their period starts to change. So for some women, the periods get shorter meaning you'll have a period every like 21 to 23 days that's uncomfortable as well as it's going to create emotional changes in the body. And that's a big sign when your periods become closer together. It's a big sign that your progesterone is not rising when your estrogen is meant to go down and, and they're, it's meant to do this. Right. And the progesterone is what calms the estrogen and estrogen is our building hormone. And it's, you know, essentially it has like 300 roles in the body, but what it, what estrogen's meant to do is to help, you know, create the most conducive environment for an egg and sperm to come together and grow the baby. Right. 
So progesterone is the, it's the calming hormone. It's, so it calms us down. It, it gives us the feeling that things are okay. It slows us down, right? It makes us think a little bit deeper. It brings sort of some intuition. The marriage of the two brings in a deep intuition around intuitive hits around ovulation. So ovulation is changing when the periods become closer together or when your periods are really, really heavy and potentially you have lots of clots. So that's usually what women notice first. Mm -hmm. And then with that comes discomfort, can come some intense mood swings or, or reactions to things that make you feel rageful or angry or sad or like just turning on a dime. And that's not normal for a lot of women too. So that's another thing that women tend to feel. I mean, I noticed for me, I'm a super patient person, but mm -hmm. last fall, my patience was non-existent. I was like, what is going on with me? Mm -hmm. You know, and I would take adaptogens, but like whatever I used to do, like something was not working. I said, something is going on and I never even thought, because I think there's so much focus on menopause, but not as much on perimenopause. And I had no idea you can go through perimenopause for such a long period of time. And even like you said that you're maybe sometimes, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, like your lab work can show like, oh, you're fine. You're not in perimenopause technically, but maybe there are some precursor signs before it's going to show up in some lab work that things are starting to sort of like shift. Well, the interesting thing about lab work, let's just talk about lab work. Yes. Lab work is I love just, lab work, but I need you to deep dive into it with me. A lot of like, that's all we know as women's health is lab work because mm -hmm. that's what we are. We're, we're a specimen of blood and organs and hormones and fluids. And so how do we measure that? The only way to measure that is to take take blood work, or that's the most common, I should say. It's not the only way, but it's the most common way. And the unfortunate thing about lab work is, well, the unfortunate thing about perimenopause is that it's not a medical condition, first off. And so there aren't really, from what I understand now, again, I'm not a doctor and I'm not trying to play one on your podcast, but from my understanding of going to a myriad of doctors in New York City when I lived there, to really understanding my body is that there are no levels for perimenopause. You can test the luteinizing hormone, and you can test the hormones, but that actually doesn't tell you how a woman feels. And it, there's mm -hmm. no clinical level of this level means this. And you'll know this if for the for your follow for your listeners that are closer to fifty or over fifty, you'll you'll know this. They're, they're all shaking their head right now because if you've ever gone on um, any sort of bio identical hormones, there are no levels for that either. You start out at a particular dose of whatever that doctor is familiar with. And then all you can go by are your symptoms. How you feel. Exactly. It's how you feel. It's mm -hmm. how, how are you feeling? Talk to me about how you're feeling. It's the closest thing to true women's health that we get. But, but the, but the irony is, is there's so much, I mean, I don't know if it's dogma. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to label it, but there's so much said about bioidentical hormones and hormone replacement therapy and all kinds of alternative ways of caring for the vessel that women are scared. They don't know what to do. They don't know what's true. Yeah. They don't know what, what they should do for themselves. So, you know, what I would also say to a woman in their early forties is to really understand how your body works on a physiological level. Cause if you don't understand how your body works, all these quote unquote symptoms, you're not going to know what's normal for this stage of life and what's actually not normal for you because you don't actually know the way your body functions and you don't recognize that like this equals this, but this might also equal this or this. Does that make sense? 
Absolutely. I think um, from what you just said, I think a first step for people, a lot of people don't even track their cycle. So I think to start tracking your cycle and maybe create a notes file of self. And like you're saying, make notes of maybe some of these symptoms and just start, I think as you start to write them down and you have a reference point to look back upon, you might start to see a pattern, right? It could be tied to your cycle. I don't know. Maybe you realize like this week, which is whatever day of your cycle, you happen to be super moody or super crampy. And just can, I think we're so disconnected actually to our cycle. Um, that's been a big eye-opening thing for me. Just in my forties, I never tracked my cycle. I never worked out for my cycle. I didn't eat for my cycle. There's so much there that I think like you're saying, just tuning into your body and paying attention is really a first step, I think, for people before we start outsourcing to all these doctors. Because I even ran into some friends, girlfriends last night. One is 49, one is about 45, and their doctor told them, and I don't even know their specific symptoms because we didn't discuss it, but just said, here, it's time you should take some low-dose estrogen. Like, I, I don't even know if that's the answer for them because we didn't get into it, but I don't even know if they got to the point to like have that deep dive within themselves first to just be able to analyze themselves before outsourcing. Totally. Maybe and there's something else that they could take. That point that you just made about tracking your cycle, I would, I 100% agree with you. And what I would add to what you said is get off the cycle tracking apps because <laughs> they are talking to you through your brain and telling you where you should be, but not necessarily where you are. So I would say actually have some sort of like notes app or something or in your calendar and really check with how you feel and what symptoms you're having and get off of the apps that are telling you, oh, this is coming up and you might feel like this because there is something about that kind of, you know, eye brain connection that is different mm -hmm. from the intuitive, real, like what's the truth within you versus what does some app tell you that you're likely going to feel versus what you're actually feeling. I like so I that. just wanted to put that in there. Yeah, no, I think that's great because I actually, I just keep a track in my notes file. So I think that is great advice because there are some amazing apps out there that maybe you just first start on your phone, creating it for yourself, really get to know yourself before you start adding an app. And if you do add an app, maybe just don't read all those details unless you already kind of know what your body does to say, oh, some of that is me and some of that's not me, right? Because until you know that, how can you even know? It's like your horoscope. <laughs> Exactly. I, exactly. That's such a great um, parallel horoscope and, and our, our fifth vital sign, which is our cycle, right? And right. when you don't have a cycle and you don't have that feedback, it's a very interesting relationship that you have to cultivate with your body. For a lot of women losing their cycle and most women are like, I can't wait to lose my cycle, but you would be really shocked to know how many women mourn the loss of their cycle because it is a final it's finite like it's not an infinite time that we can can have children and actually you lose the ability to conceive well before you lose your cycle but there's always hope if you have your cycle whereas when you don't have your cycle there's no hope like it's not happening right yeah, i'm sure so that's, that's kind of a profound moment for women it is I... it's very sad like a lot of women really mourn it it's true and it's something to be honored you know that the end of an era is coming mm -hmm. to end. And then the beginning of something is really, that is really beautiful, but unknown. And I think we're, and I include myself in this, like, I think the unknown can be um, very scary for a lot of women and the unknown that is closer to death right. versus 
oh, that's a long way away. Like, you know, 50, I remember when I thought 50 was ancient. Now I'm like, I'm a 29 year old woman. Like 50 is a new 30. (laughs) Exactly. Right. (laughs) We're living longer. I like how you really tie food in to your body and from your studying over the years, what types of foods are really nourishing to our body at this stage in our life? And how should we think about food when it comes to sort of the midlife time in our our life? Well, I think we should start thinking about food the minute we start putting our own food into our own mouths. But the big message that I want every woman out there to hear, like this is, I feel like I'm sure someone else said this, but I like to think I coined this one, is that every single thing that we put into our bodies becomes us. It becomes our heart, becomes our blood, it becomes our muscles, it becomes our brain, becomes our skin, becomes our consciousness. So to really be mindful, and I don't mean like learn to intuitive eat or like get on a strict diet and never allow yourself to have dessert, but I mean to really be mindful of what you put in your body, how you combine foods and actually how they make you feel. Because there's so much feedback that we have. Our body is, we're in co-creation with this beautiful vessel all the time. And so when it comes to eating in your forties, like if I, listen, if somebody could create that for women, I think they would they would be the next Einstein, right? There's no one thing. I mean, you can Google every. I could say omega three is having a moment right now. Yeah, like definitely. I mean, definitely, all those things are important. What I would say about eating is that really understanding your constitution, and that's something that is really kind of an Eastern philosophy. I mean, you know, Eastern medicine's been around for at least 5,000 years. So we should really be learning from the people who've been around doing it for the longest, but really understanding your constitution is knowing what stage of life, you know, being honest about the stage of life, like at 45, if you're going to eat dessert in the morning, like if you're going to have like a sweet muffin or a piece of cake or a piece of pie, like you're not, you don't have the hormones to actually carry that out anymore. So you have to become very aware and honest with where you are. And then learning, like there's a couple of things that I work with. Again, I'm not married to any one philosophy or any one diet. So like blood type does play a huge component into the, with the enzymatic activity of the gut. And so, you know, if you're an O blood type, you tend to do better with certain foods versus, you know, an A or an AB blood type. So constitution is a big part of it. And blood type is part of constitution as well as you know, the elements in your body, you know, the fire, the water element, like all these elements are a big part of constitution. You know, it's Chinese medicine, it's Ayurvedic, it's, they all kind of revolve around the natural aspect of how the body works. And that does take energy and emotions into it. So when you think about the body, I don't think about the age, I think about the individual, Mm -hmm. and the individual has a, a unique constitution in that comes about in the way that your face looks and the way that you speak and, you know, the way that you react to certain things. And then of course, like the energetics, like intuitively how your body is speaking. So I would say just eat real food as close to its natural state as possible and get away from like highly processed things like protein powders and collagen powders. Like those things are healthy to some extent, but they're highly processed And so a woman who has a gut issue or is having, you know, weird pains or something like that's all going to, all of that blended food is not necessarily going to be helpful. 
Yeah. I, you know, our society, everything is so packaged and we're marketed to all day long. We're like bombarded, bombarded. And it's like, we really are going to have to work extra hard to sort of break the conditioning that we have of like, you know, just grab a bar and go because everyone is leading these fast lifestyles. But instead it's like, okay, maybe the night before prepare some snacks, yeah. have them in a bag. And then you grab your little bag of fresh fruit, nuts, a real food and go. Real food. You know, yeah. you speak about the importance of protecting your adrenals at this stage of life. Can you elaborate a little bit about where do you find how are women's adrenals tied to either burnout at the stage? Is it from exercise? How do we protect our adrenals? What what do the adrenals do to us? Wow. And how are they connected to the hormones? Our adrenals are part of our root chakra because it's life, right? Our adrenals create cortisol. We can't live without cortisol. It's an essential life-affirming hormone. And the body does everything in its power to regulate it. And because we have moved into this technological age, we're not, our bodies haven't adapted yet to, you know, with the blue light and with all of the technology that we're using to kind of navigate modern society. And so the essential aspect of understanding that, you know, we learn love and attachment and safety between conception and seven years old. So that's the root chakra and the adrenals are part of the root chakra. They have a very strong communication with the third eye and the crown. And so there's a very strong loop between all of your chakras through the adrenals. The adrenals, you move from producing estrogen and large, you know, whatever large means, but in larger quantities through the ovaries. But when the ovaries quiet down, the way that women's bodies create and use estrogen, I mean, we use it in lots of different ways, but estrogen is created through the adrenals. The adrenals make up some of, they take up some of the slack of the ovaries still produce a little bit. And then adipose tissue, like our fat cells produce estrogen as well. So we're getting estrogen from different places. It's why women tend to gain a little bit of weight the closer they get to their menopause transition, which is the 12 months that they don't have a, a period. We don't want to tax our adrenals, which is also not only estrogen, but cortisol. And mm-hmm. what taxes the adrenals is heavy exercise, huge amounts of stress, not enough good quality sleep. And the best sleep that you get is between the hours of 9 p.m. and 12 p.m. That's like double gold star sleep. So women who go to bed between like 9 and 10.30, that sleep, you know, that's from a Eastern perspective, it just does the most amount of good for the endocrine system, which the adrenals I think that's a huge one. And also just to remind people, you know, your kids go to bed, maybe they go to bed eight or nine, but don't then take that time afterwards to get on your phone because that blue light is going to wake you up and prevent you from falling asleep during that like key time, you know, pick up a real book. I do watch TV at night. It doesn't really affect me, but at least I think it's further than a screen of your phone. Like it's not ideal, but if you need to relax and watch a screen, a TV is better than a phone. You know, it's all about choices and really trying to wind down and create those rituals so that you can try to get to bed earlier. Um, We always joke, my husband goes to bed at 8.30 at night if he could. (laughs) He normally would and he like fights it. I'm like, you're tired. Just like actually fall asleep and just stay asleep. Like, why are you like fighting it? He feels like it's too early. But like you said, that's actually such a great time. And I think pro athletes know that they all go to bed really early. And I guess that time gives you such nourishing sleep for your body to recover. 
to recover. Yeah. You see so many women who are, you know, of all different ages. What would you say are some of like the one to three key things that you see that women are struggling with and that you work with today? Like, what is it that we are all kind of trying to navigate at this stage of our life in today's society? So the main thing that I see women for that women who have really connected to their body, they understand that the lower in the lower region of the body. So below the heart. So we're talking root chakra, sacral chakra. So solar plexus, those three chakras are very much about sort of nervous system regulation, really activating the body to work at its peak performance. And also it's where we hold the most trauma and the most conditioning is like through here. So when a woman comes to me, that's where we start. Cause if this is holding something like those organs are always really vocal or, or, or I can feel the energy very intensely. So we start there and that usually has to do with there's been a childhood event or not feeling safe and secure. So a lot of women who tend to hold a lot of weight through the middle, there's some emotional component to that weight. Yes, it's also hormonal. Really anything from like five to eight, maybe 10 pounds, that's going to be normal hormone change. Anything over 10 pounds is not normal hormonal change. And then we're talking, there's definitely going to be an emotional component or a spiritual component that is part of that. So working with the root chakra, the sacral chakra. So the root chakra is all about safety and security and how you get and and hold love. The sacral chakra is all about deep, deep belief and conviction to be the most creative. It is like your well of creativity and it's not denying yourself. So that's the sacral, the wound is denial. And then the solar plexus is deep personal power and belief that you can do and be and have anything that you desire. So it's really about believing in yourself and the solar plexus. It comes to its completion around 21. So 14 to 21. So you think about teenage years and all the external, you know, stimuli coming in and how, like what we make that mean or what we don't make that mean and beliefs. And so those are the three that I work with women the most. And then sometimes we move into the heart and the throat. And do you find that women, I mean, everyone has things that they've had to deal with in their life that if they don't deal with them, they're no matter what pretty much becomes a point of time in their life when they are going to have to face them or that if they face them, then it sort of sets them free in a certain regard or helps them navigate life a little bit easier. Like some people may not connect that a childhood trauma can then affect their hormones and how they're kind of going through the midlife stage. Estrogen keeps us really connected to the family, to our job, to like doing the thing and staying on track. And when we don't have those larger levels of estrogen, we tend to go a bit, you know, people were characterized as going wild or, Mm -hmm. you know, their women aren't controllable or they don't control their emotions or they'll say something kind of wacky. Like it's because we're not I don't want to make estrogen seem like this bad thing, but it, it's meant to keep us focused on creating and taking care of and sustaining this life, right? And then when we're not doing that, we're coming back to ourselves and we're sort of re-navigating. We're 
unraveling a lot of things we thought we needed to be and a lot of things we thought we needed to think and a lot of things we thought we needed to achieve. We're unraveling that. So it's an unraveling. And then, but from that spiral, we always must have to look up. So from the unraveling to look up through, up into the light, your light, whatever your light is, right? Might be to be the matriarch of the family. It might be to start a business at 50. It might be to come out of the spiritual closet and be really who you are. Like the light is whatever is true to you. And that's a deep soul connection, but we can't get to the soul. You can't actually hear the soul. If you have layer upon layer upon layer of traumas and conditioning and unpleasantness, whatever it is. So it's a tricky question. I mean, I don't, I don't entirely know how to answer that question, but I think really, really knowing that if there's something deep and dark that you're hiding, if there's that thing that you think over and over again, or if there's a situation where somebody says something sort of benign, but it ignites something in you, like Mm -hmm. it triggers you, it's there as a mirror. It's there for you to look within yourself and find the place of within yourself or the thing that you're hiding, that you've tucked away, that you've deemed as unlovable or not good enough or denied yourself the ability to have or think or believe and really bring that into the open. And that is really uncomfortable. To do that by ourselves is really almost impossible. As women, it's almost impossible because we are, as you know, Dr. Sarah Gottfried says, like we tend to befriend. We are wired to be communal and to talk and to be held and, and cared for. Yeah. No, I think that's a beautiful point that, you know, to, in this stage is to be curious, right. And just to open your eyes and not be in denial. And maybe you have been in denial for a long time if you're in your twenties and thirties and just kind of like going through the motions, but that if you really want to tap into your soul and who you are and what makes you happy, right. There's so much about that empowerment to not ignore the side that you feel like whatever you've been sort of like not wanting to deal with, just confront it. And then it'll just like let everything else be so much easier. Like life is long, you know, like in your forties, we're young. So don't just like keep like pushing it aside because I feel like it just won't go away until you actually deal with it. So better sooner than later is sort of my thought on the topic. Totally. And the last thing I'll add is that the majority of women that I work with, they don't know that they can actually hold the depth of that anger or the depth of that sadness or the depth of that disappointment, whatever it was, like the relationship they never had with their father or, you know, the connection that they don't have with their twin or they have one child who's easy to parent and the other one it's is just even painfully, sometimes. it's not even conscious, but, but, but if it is conscious to recognize that, that women, that you have so much power within you and that you actually are incredibly strong and you can get through anything because you have a hundred percent accountability to yourself. Like you've always shown up for yourself. And so why, why couldn't you work through this? But I think thinking you can do it on your own is like the great mistake, right? You need someone else to help pull that out of you because you may not even know what's there. 
right? You might yeah. think you're going for one thing, but something else sort of shows up. So I hate to cut this conversation short. There's so much more to dive into here. This is just a little taste about how amazing Shell is and you are a wealth of knowledge. And thank you for sharing that with us and our audience. And um, we can't wait to have you back in because I feel like we need to get more into the chakras and really introduce people to the chakras and how to connect to those because that might be something nobody has thought about before of connecting this time of life and your chakras. So thank you for being with us today. And we can't wait to have you again in the near future. Thank you so much, Amber and Dina. It's been such a such a pleasure. Subscribe to The Well Drop on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Share with a friend who can benefit from listening too. Follow us on social media at The Well Drop. The Well Drop podcast and content posted by Amber Berger and Dina Wismer is presented solely for general informational, educational, and entertainment purposes. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast or website is at the user's own risk. It is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a physician, professional coach, psychotherapist, or other qualified professional, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical or mental health condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered health advice. The Well Drop is not responsible for any losses, damages, or liabilities that may arise from the use of this podcast.